0: Today's scripture comes from Ruth, chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to live in the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. The name of the man was Amiliac, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah, They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Emiliac, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Oprah, and the name of the other, Ruth. When they had lived there about 10 years, both Melon and Chilion also died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she had been living, she and her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to go back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you, in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud. They said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back. My daughters, why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go your way. For I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was hope of me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons. Would you then wait until they were grown? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, it has been far more bitter for me than for you because of the hand of the Lord has turned against me. Then they wept aloud again. Oprah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So she said, see your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There will I be buried. May the Lord do this so to me and more as well. Even if death parts from me, even if death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her.
1: I think you may be seated. Although the name of this book is Ruth, the story is really about Naomi. Naomi has a lot more verses than Ruth does, so it's really her story, and it's about her her life. It, the story doesn't begin in the best of times, but in the worst of times. There's a famine in in Bethlehem and all of that area. Bethlehem means house of bread, but in Bethlehem, there was no bread. There was not anything to feed their families. And so, and so this family, Naomi and her husband, Elimelech and Malan and Chilean, the kids, they, they, they're, they're struggling and they, they make a very difficult decision to become refugees, immigrants and travel through the desert over by the mountains Um, which is really kind of a desert kind of mountain and then then down by the Jordan River across the Jordan into the land of Moab it would be a very difficult journey for them but that's where they went so they could find food and and make a living and so they stayed there and 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 apparently they they were doing okay as foreigners as refugees in in Moab but the Moabites and the Israelites did not have a great history together you may remember that the Moabites and the Ammonites were the descendants of Lot and his incestuous relationship with his daughters and you know so that, that you know that there was that history there and you know we have long memories don't we we remember things and so they they didn't get along after that happened they weren't allowed to worship in the temple for 10 generations And then when the Israelites were coming back from Egypt um, to the the promised land with Moses and and Joshua as their leaders, they they sent word to the Moabites, can we cross your land? And the Moabites had long memories about how they had been mistreated and they said, nope, can't do it. (laughs) And then the Israelites remembered too. You know, we have long memories when we slight one another. And so there was this animosity between the two people and that's, but that's where Naomi and her family found refuge. They must have welcomed them. Elimelech died unfortunately and and his sons were were growing up and they, they take Moabite wives, Orpah and Ruth, and uh, it, it, I'm sure that times were tough for them. They were married like 10 years. I don't know why they didn't have children, but there were no children involved. And then the, the boys die and they leave Naomi and these women as, as vulnerable widows. They're childless. They can't support themselves. Widows in those days, they couldn't support themselves. They couldn't make a living. Naomi had nowhere to go to look for help. She had no other sons to offer her, her her daughters in law, which is that that was a real joke. I didn't when Nathan was reading that, no one was laughing. But that was a real joke, you know, that Naomi says, Do I have any sons I can give you? You know, it's funny. That that's a good sense of humor. In in Israel, there's a law where a brother of a dead man must take care of the wife of his brother. But here in this case, there are no brothers. The only hope for Naomi is to journey back to Bethlehem and and perhaps her family, some some relative, would have pity on them. But Bethlehem was no place for Moabite women because they had this long history together. So through tears, Naomi tells her daughters-in-law, you need to go home to your people and may you find some charity there and mercy there but they want to go with her. They have become this family. Apparently, they've given up their Moabite God, and now they worship Yahweh. Well, they have these conversations that that we just heard, and, and Naomi decides to go back to her people, but Ruth says these beautiful words, "'Do not press me to leave you. "'Where you go, I will go. "'Where you lodge, I will lodge. "'Your people shall be my people, "'and your God my God.'" Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more, if anything but death parts me from you. Such beautiful words of loyalty Ruth has for her mother-in-law, Naomi. This loyalty that Ruth has for Naomi is the same loyalty God has for God's people. I will never leave you or forsake you, God says. But Naomi is not so sure that God is loyal and God is faithful. Because Naomi is angry and she's bitter. She's in the midst of grief of losing her husband and her sons. She blames God for her misfortune. It's interesting, there's no sense of sin or shame that that she talks about. And Naomi, Naomi openly says that God is against her. That God has made her bitter in verse 20. That God has returned her empty to Bethlehem in verse 21. And God has testified against her. She doesn't tell these things to God, but she talks about God. You know, in other scriptures like Job and Jeremiah, when they're ranting against God, they're talking directly to God. God, you have abandoned me. You've done this. You've done that. But Naomi can't even look God in the face. She just talks about God that God has abandoned her. And when she addresses Ruth's faithfulness, she wishes that that God were as faithful as Ruth is. She's honestly just trying to sort out this grief and this pain that she is experiencing. In our culture, when, when people go through grief and loss, we put pressure on them to just get over it and move on. It's as if we have this idea that if we're faithful and we're trusting God, that loss is not going to remain with us. But we can just move on. But we know this is not true. We carry our losses with us into the future. Naomi does not put it behind her. Even when good things happen to her, she can't really seem to see it. Ruth stays with her. Boaz marries Ruth, and Ruth asks Boaz to take care of she and and Naomi, and he agrees in chapter 3, verse 9. Naomi's gamble to come back to Bethlehem has paid off, and it brought them security. But at this point in her grief, Naomi just doesn't see it. You know, that's the way grief is. Sometimes we're so consumed in our grief and our loss and our anger and our bitterness that we just can't see the good Um, We're not able to count our blessings. And there's no shame in that. It's just the way it is. There's no shame. Nobody shames Naomi for, for being that way. It's just a part of the journey of grief. She's lived in her grief and anger so long that she can't seem to shake the bitterness. But God has plans for her life anyway. God has plans for her even in spite of her bitterness he gives her an opportunity to be more whole than before. Joan Chitterston, Chitterster writes, Naomi did what we all must do in one way or another at a time of loss. Naomi simply picked up and went back to Bethlehem, not so much to find refuge in a family, but to be what herself she herself needed to be, an independent woman, someone besides being the wife of Elimelech, the mother of Malan and Chilean, the leftover piece of someone else's life. She went back to become herself again. No one wants to be the leftover piece of someone else's life. We want to be our own person. Loss, you know, enables creativity, creation to go on creating in us so we can complete ourselves just when it seems as if there is nothing else left to develop. In our bitterness and anger at the loss, we fail to realize that there's new possibilities, new beginnings for us. The loss frees us to resurrect the self and take a new path of possibility that can make us whole. Like Naomi, after a loss, when we take a new road, we take it not because we know where it will end, Because we don't, but we take the new road to become whole. Naomi and Ruth didn't know what would come from their new path, and neither do we. It was harvest time in Bethlehem, which is a good time for people looking for work. And Naomi sends Ruth into a field to work for a distant relative of her late husband and Boaz spots her. And he's gracious and he's generous to her. She's going around and collecting grain. And, uh, and at Naomi's request and wisdom, they come up with a plan for Ruth to become a part of Boaz's life. Now, she could have gone after a younger man, maybe a better looking man. But Naomi advises her to go after Boaz. And so she does. And as you probably know in this story, the book of Ruth is only four chapters. You know, it's easy to to read quickly. It's hard to find in the Bible sometimes because it's just three pages. But um, there's only 80 verses. But she goes and she she goes into Boaz's tent and she uncovers his feet. It's not about his feet. But she gives herself over to him. And he, uh, he praises her for her dedication and her love for her m- mother-in-law, Naomi. And he adopts her when he marries her into the family of Israel. This, this refugee, this person from another culture, another, an enemy, so to speak. A baby comes and Naomi is the adopted grandmother So these good things are happening for Naomi, but she doesn't praise God for them. She doesn't talk about that. From her, from our perspective, we can see how God is at work in her life and bringing good things for her, bringing her security and safety and a future. But she doesn't really see it that way. In the the book of Ruth, Naomi never goes and praises God for these things. She doesn't do it. And yet she still loved, and God is still taking care of her. Ruth and Boaz have a child named Obed. In the fourth chapter of Ruth, starting in verse 13, it reads, So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When they came together, the Lord made her conceive, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi. They don't say this to Ruth. They say it to Naomi because she must be pretty bitter. They say, bless be the Lord who has not left you this day without next of kin. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be a, to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you is more to you than seven sons has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her bosom and became his nurse. Just a sign. I think the nurse is kind of a weak translation because when I think of nurse, I think of breastfeeding, but there's all kinds of nursing that can go on. Here it means nourish. Then going on with the scripture, the women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed and he became the father of Jesse, the father of David. You see how... Naomi and Ruth are just adopted in this family. It's a beautiful description of the way God adopts all of us. Naomi was a nourishing grandmother for Obed. She gave him her time, her wisdom, her kindness, and her encouragement. I suspect it was exactly what he needed. It's what we all need, isn't it? We need somebody to give us time and wisdom and encouragement. I think one of the the best things that can happen for an older person is to have a younger person that they can mentor and love. And one of the best gifts a young person can have is to have an older person who can mentor them and love them and share with them. We all need grandmothers and grandfathers who offer our time and wisdom and kindness and encouragement. If you have a relationship like that, You are blessed. Let us pray. O gracious and loving God, our losses are too real to ignore and our disappointments too painful to forget. At the time we hope we have in you, our hope is in you, and that hope is too precious to keep to ourselves. We simply cannot rest until we rest in you in the home of your own making the church. These things we pray in Christ's name. Amen.